0: started in here.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Action Replay Extra Time. I'm joined in the studio by Ender call to my right, Brian. McGinn again to the left. And we're going to talk today, we're going to look at the Premier League over the weekend. We're going to look at uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's Champions League games. And we're also going to talk to Emmett Malone from the Irish Times and Rui O'Connor from the Irish Independent. Great show ahead, lads, but first we'll get to the Premier League. Weekend of upsets, far from what many of us predicted. Stoke taking down City, Newcastle disposing Liverpool thanks to a Jorginho Wijnaldum double. And Bournemouth upsetting Chelsea at the bridge. Which ups- upset shocked you the most?
0: Um, not only because I'm a Chelsea fan Which I say time and time again Every podcast But it has to be the Chelsea game uh, 1.5 million I think the total squad the, the value of the total Bournemouth squad Was against hundreds of millions of pounds The whole, The Chelsea bench is worth 70 something million pounds it was mm-hmm. That was the, the mad statistic But from a footballing fan point of view That's what you want to see Absolute brilliant You know the David versus Goliath But uh, it's, it's come to a point now Where I think it's time for Josie to go
1: Really? Yeah. It's just it's beyond like it's I, beyond fixing.
0: Like he he had his chance against Tottenham. If 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 Chelsea won't be, bet Tottenham, I know they got the draw nil all, which is an all right result away from. Him, and they bet Bournemouth. Mm. With all the teams slipping up, they're back in the top four race. I I I genuinely think that there's there's a small it's such chance. a statement game from them. It's it? yeah. It, uh, it's not even he like the whole diego cast it just seems every week there's something there's something going and I, I i'm i'm absolutely sick of it now i sound like your man and andy what's his name for uh, united uh, the the fellow who goes under andy tate who goes under <laughs> rants. but chelsea play with 10 men every single game this season fabregas i don't know and if you had to guess what player uh, I'm not 100% sure but if you had to guess what player has played the most minutes for Chelsea this season I'd say in the top three Cesc Fabregas is in, the, is in there and he's been a, by yeah. far our worst player Yeah, which is an abs-
1: like well he's never been strong defensively but just this season he's always been ran for his pass but he's been so careless with the ball as well
0: and Matic hasn't been great either he's been actually he's been very poor the last few games mm. I'll, I'll even say what are you supposed to do when you have mm-hmm. that next to you, giving mm. away the ball? When you break up. Th- Last year it was simple. And Matic was ghosting around, just protecting the back line. He wasn't he looked, Didn't He was doing it without a sweat, breaking it up, passing it to Fabregas. Fabregas looks up. Fabregas has no confidence in anything he does now. It just seems it's kicking it aimlessly into the corner and hoping Hazard gets on the end of it. And he's just. It's, it's so hard to watch because when you're playing with, te- with. I think it's 10 men when they're bypassing Fabregas every time. It's it's hard to win matches, and we're seeing the results. It's he had to have taken him off a few times, and give Ruben, Ruben Loftus Cheek a chance. Give give uh, Ramirez even more of a go. Mikel, for God's sake, like mm. he, he'd do a lot better jobs stability wise. Maybe creativity, not. But Fabregas isn't being creative, like you know. It's no. it's it's come to a point where even Jose Mourinho has gone past it now. You know when everyone else can see what's going wrong, and Jose Mourinho can't. There's that element of God, that God status he has at Chelsea has just evaporated in my eyes, you know. But mm. I still love the man. He's a fantastic. I, he's, I think he'll be in the t- top five managers of all time uh, if if he continues his legacy with other clubs. But if, especially if they lose to Porto on Wednesday, he's gone. He's gone.
1: Yeah, he's simply not getting the same assists as he was last year, and, and but just in part, like Chelsea aren't scoring the same amount of goals oh. as they were last year. What was your biggest upset on the?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it was an upset. I would say it was probably my favorite game of the weekend, and it was Stoke versus Man City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Stoke were absolutely fantastic during the game. They controlled the game, and it just goes to show how the, how much of a difference these these TV revenues are are making for the for the clubs. Uh, you had Adnard Shakiri, you had Affolay, you had Bojan, and you had Arnaudovic. That's that's a very very strong uh, attacking line, and uh, Shakiri really performed to the the extent that we hoped he would in the Premier League because he, he hasn't really got a look in, uh, at Inter in the last year and Bayern Munich before that and it was just a great performance all round and uh, of course it was great to see Man City going down uh, <laughs> dropping <laughs> points because City have this arrogance this year that they're unbeatable when time and time again they're being shown that they're, that they're not and it's it's really just bust the Premier League wide open really.
1: mm. well I'll tell you who has shown time and time again they're a legitimate side and seem to be they've gone top of the table Leicester the Fox has got up 3-0 over Swansea yeah. with Riyad Mahrez getting a hat-trick um, Vardy's run to coming in but what, what a breakout season for ours His 11th goal of the season
0: I think he's been the best player in the Premier League this season Jamie Vardy is a striker he's got 14 goals he beats Ronaldo, I think he's tied with ne- ne- Neymar this season, or something, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. He's, he's be um the the, the the combination of the two, mares and Vardy, have better goals than Southampton, Palace, United, uh, Chelsea, and Liverpool. And they're also he's also better than the dream trio one of the dream trios of Ronaldo Bale and and Benzema although Benzema hasn't played a lot of games because of you know his allegations and whatnot but it's I hope the run keeps coming I think it will because Maris is technically brilliant and Jamie Vardy's pace he should have scored actually we saw there You've seen it in the highlights, yeah. he was sure on goal and <clears throat> it's one one. Opportunities that look it's a lot easier than they actually. Are. It's
1: goals he scored, though, on, on this yeah. one the run before. He
0: didn't need to score, though. So, and I don't think he cares too much because I think he, I think he's. Well, a the record's player. broken now, so yeah. it's
1: like you know, it's like how long was it realistically gonna last? It was gonna stop or something. Even though it could have very much, it probably should have gone for an extra game, but with already not scoring, that brings an end to that. And but yeah, Maris has been remarkable. Yeah,
0: Absolutely spectacular. And next week we're talking about Chelsea. They're playing Chelsea at home. Their favourites. I don't know if they're with the bookies, but in my eyes, their favourites to beat Chelsea. If Chelsea go in managerless, especially their favourites without anyone to lead the team. I uh, it's absolutely terrific, and they deserve every single bit of credit they get.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Leicester <coughs> Leicester have have been have been shown that they're they're not just a one hit wonder and. They're, for me, they're the only team in the top four and the top six that are showing any bit of consistency this mm-hmm. year. Mm. And even when they're not getting, even when they don't get a result, they're still performing at a very, very high level. You saw it with United; they did. They deserve to get a result. at United. they came out to a point, but they could have easily won that game. But I think the the next few weeks are really, really going to test yeah. Leicester City. Uh, I was actually talking about this with Breen earlier on. Leicester have haven't had a major injury this year, and I that could really show. I mean. Look at United they've seven eight players yeah. out injured Arsenal they're missing Sanchez they're missing Cazorla Aguero was out for a few weeks Sturridge was out for a few weeks for Liverpool David Silva's only coming back from injury Leicester City haven't had that and if they can go the next few weeks without picking up an injury I think they'll be a very very strong force mm. to they're a force to be reckoned with in the next year
0: In their next 12 games at the until the end of February they have uh, Liverpool twice uh, City Everton. twice yeah, the Everton four. Spurs Chelsea Arsenal in, in 8 of their next 12 games are top 7 sides you know yeah. and we're, this is going to be the barometer if they can get through this their title contenders if they can 12 games is what, 36 points if they can get 18 yeah, oh, more than I I'd say if they can get the 20s if they're they're still in that because that that could be their bad run of form and then the, it opens up for them in the latter half of the season. But like people are saying, they're lucky and it's just showing that the league in a bad light. Chelsea were dominant at this stage last year, but they were only four points better off than Leicester were at this stage last year, coming off a defeat in Newcastle. I must add, but but uh, still, you know, it's 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 not a fluke because mm. people in in other countries are going to be looking at this saying, "Oh, look at the Premier League! Like it's uh, Le- Leicester are leading it. They were at the relegation that last year, relegation fight." No, I, I, I haven't seen Leicester, you know, get any fluky results, lucky results. They've no, been dominant really, in most their you're, games. You're top
1: of the league after 14, 15 games. You're, you're top of the league, you know, no matter what way you put it. They've had some, you know, brilliant results along the, along the way. May, large path due to Jamie Vardy, but like as we see on the weekend, they're far from, from just a Jamie Vardy team. You've yeah. got Mares, Drinkwater looks phenomenal at the back for them. So they got a lot of really talented players, but the next four games, I think, is the round of the year, league games anyway, can be really testing. Um, but at the start of the season, I said this is, this. Would have been like make or break, but I'd actually really fancied them at home to Chelsea, um, coming up this weekend, and then they get their away at Goodison Park to Everton. They did the Merseyside double. They got Liverpool the next week at Anfield, and then they got to host Man City. So a tricky run there, but it is actually a game. It's actually a kind of run there where you see, they realistically with how Liverpool lost Newcastle, Man City lost Stoke, Everton have been Everton typical for most of the season. And you know Chelsea have been pretty disastrous most of the season as well, so it's it's very much a game they could. I wouldn't say I say it's something they could very much get seven points from. You mm-hmm. know, seven yeah. points out of twelve. I think that's realistic. Two wins and a draw out of those four games. They've just been
0: dealt a, a trip to White Hart Lane in the FA Cup as well, so yeah, whether they, they mightn't take, take preference in that. So yeah,
1: it's going to be testing. Um, I think it's going to be hard for me to see. I think Arsenal probably ran at the year on top. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just the next run of games are going to have it's going to be really testing for them yeah. but anyway moving to Tyneside, side speaking of Liverpool Jorginho uh, was nailed on back the brace to sink Liverpool Jürgen Klopp side great win for Newcastle and put an end to a fantastic run of games for Liverpool do you see them bouncing back on Coutinho, Can and Henderson, and Henderson return?
0: Yeah, of course. Um I I saw, I was reading a report earlier saying that it seems Jurgen Klopp just doesn't know what, what to do with his team yet in terms of when they have possession and have to be patient. They're more of a sting on the counter attack. Mm. Uh, Liverpool had a lot of the ball um yesterday. Uh I think it's just one of them games Newcastle are desperate. Uh they're yeah. like a wounded animal and it seems like uh they saw Liverpool weren't at the races on on the day and they they just sung them twice. Uh Look Liverpool are unlucky with uh, Moreno's goal That could have easily be- been a goal And it might have changed the game But look Newcastle
1: yeah, need a bit of luck
0: But I, I, I don't think it's going to turn any into any like uh, run of bad games for Liverpool I think they'll bounce back next week
1: yeah, it's a uh, Marina's goal was phenomenal. I probably should have been, you know, it was very kind of harshly dealt, in my opinion, to be offside. And then we also look at Sturge coming on, probably should have scored as well. Maybe with we a couple of games, belt, belly probably might have put that one away. So it's a game where they were very much in, they probably weren't really on their best game of the day but they de- they, I think Newcastle just took their chances when they came in and, yeah. and Wijnaldum got two very good goals um, we spoke of City earlier on obviously going down 2-0 Shaqiri pretty much ran oh, right and did what you want terrific. really two well taken goals with Arnadovic over uh, but Arnadovic wasn't the only one to bag a double Giroud Olivier Giroud Arsenal's Main man up front. He uh, one goal past P- Pan and one past his own net, so um, that's uh yeah. Well, he's got on the score sheet twice, maybe one for the right reasons, one for the wrong. He's
0: a man for the brace though, isn't he? He always <laughs> has been he always has been a man for the brace. Yeah, when they
1: come, when it rains it pours with the uh, yeah. Um without Sanchez and Gazola, do you think they can kick on now and take Olympiakis on Wednesday night? Uh
2: it's it's gonna be very difficult for them. Like who's gonna replace them? Uh I think Oxley chamberlains a, a great player, but he hasn't really got a look-in in the Arsenal side. And, well, obviously it was going to be difficult with players the, with the ability of Sanchez and Cazorla. But uh, they only need to go out and get a result. They're at home, I think. Other mm-hmm. way. Other way, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's... Oh, yeah, that's right. Olympiacos beat them at home. Uh, they definitely should be going out and winning this this game. I mean, Olympiacos aren't exactly what you would call a, a, a world-beating side... Uh, but you never know with Arsenal. They either turn up or they don't turn up. When they turn up, they're fantastic.
1: When they don't, they're average about at them. best. Yeah.
2: But um, it definitely should be a game they're winning anyway.
1: Yeah, interesting one there. Um, on to Chelsea, another team that you you're very much unsure of if they're if, if they're gonna turn up even at all. Uh, if Chelsea draw a win, they go top of their group, and if they lose the pool, they're out. Um. How do you think we? How do you think it'll go, especially in light of the Wednesday? Especially in light of Bournemouth's win on Saturday. It's a f- it's a
0: funny one, you know. Draw, or win, you're tough. Lose, you're you're more than likely out. Depending on uh, Dynamo Kiev getting a result at home to or, or winning against uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, they lost two on away to Porto. But you 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 have to think that Mourinho knows what's going on with Porto. He 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 mentioned it a few weeks ago. He was going to sit down and watch the Portuguese league league uh, league ma- uh, league cup match or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lisbon derby, I think it was. And uh, he, he knows the stuff. He knows Portugal and he's managed Porto. We all know he's won the Champions League with them. You think you know him, but... You just don't know, though, do you? Because they lost to Bournemouth. Every, every other time of the, um, with Chelsea, you'd say, all right, at home, get a result. They're, they're going to do it. They're obviously going to do it. But you just don't know this uncertainty. I think he has to change it up, even even though he, he did have a near enough full team out uh, on, on Saturday evening. Um, but... I, th- I think they have to. They have to get for for Jose's sake. I think they'll be fighting for the manager because they seem to be behind them, uh, verbally in the media. Um you think John Terry will get the boys going, and hopefully they can get a result.
1: Now, and with PSV entertaining CSK in Moscow, United will more than likely need to win to guarantee the qualification against Wolfsburg at the Volkswagen Arena. After a four draw, nil all draw in six games this season, how do we see them faring?
2: Uh it's a it's a really really difficult one. Depends what United turn up on the day, really. Um, uh, it's they're they're really up against it. Rooney and Schneiderland have been ruled out for it. And Schweinsteiger. Uh, no, I think it's Schweinsteiger. No, it's league. just with the, it's oh, just with it's the, the Okay, so yeah. Yeah. Yep. he's still available. Our Anthony Marshall up front. Uh, the the side the the side they named is ridiculous. I mean, they they've got Nick Powell. He's never played in the Champions League. They've got Sean Goss hasn't made a senior appearance. Uh, who else do they have? The Varela. Hasn't make a, made a senior appearance. Pereira, uh, Andres Pereira. Andres Pereira never made a a senior appearance. Uh, I think I I think uh, between Matteo Darmian, uh, Martial and uh, one other player. I can't it's remember snoring. who who it is. They only have 11, uh, 11 Champions League performances under their between belt. Uh, sorry, between them. Between them. There's such such an experience in the side, and it's just impossible to see how they can go out to a team like Wolfsburg and get a result. Uh, we just hope and pray that PSV or CSK nab a result from PSV, but with their run of form, it's impossible to see that happen as well. It's just we, we need a goal. So if Anthony Marshall turns up, if if United go out and attack like they haven't been doing this year, then there's no reason why they couldn't do it. They could they could surprise me, but I, I can't see it happen. It's it's too much of a task. Jesse Lingard is the other player that I was thinking about.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, well, they seem to be getting the results with these nil-all draws, you know. They need to win. Uh, it depends. Are they going to play situational football? Are they going to have someone on the touchline looking at the score in the other game? Uh, I think that's what they're going to have to do, because if it's nil-all and 16 minutes gone and PSV are winning, they're going to have to step it up. They're going to have to go all-out attack to just get 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 a goal. Yeah. Uh, Wolfsburg lost two one to a great Dortmund side at home at the weekend. Maybe there, it was at, I think it was near the last minute in the 80th minute. Uh, Dortmund got a winner, so maybe their their morale is slightly lower, a bit dampened over there. But they're a fantastic side. Uh, they've got great players, and and it's a tough place anywhere in Germany in the Champions League is usually a tough place to go but I, I think United can do it. the, you know, the United of all know how to get it done and a few times we've seen United do it this year when their backs are against the wall they get it done like Watford maybe two or three weeks ago they got they got the three points there somehow even though Watford could have easily won that game too
1: Well this is very much not the United of all but something they could use is James Wilson who's been running absolutely wild for Brighton on the weekend played very well and we're going to talk to Emmett Malone about some of the things that are going on at Brighton as well of the League of Islands deal with track champ thanks very much for joining us i'm um, glad to have you on he suggested that overseas broadcast rights could provide the funding required for a major overhaul of the league is this the type of overhaul we're talking about or is this merely the first step in what is hopefully a lengthy stream of investment
3: yeah i don't think this is it at all i think in fact in a way it's very bad news if if that's you know if this really is the value of the league i mean mm-hmm. i i wasn't present at any of those things where niall talked uh, about these things i i read the stories like everybody else I, i'm i'm quite curious about them uh, Noquain is a very smart guy. He has, you know, a number of commercial um, successes to his to his uh, to his credit. Did very well at Sunderland. Has been involved in an internet basis, um, you know, a, a tech base uh, that that has uh, interests in Africa. So, you know. He may well know a whole lot more about this than i do he's certainly not he 's certainly not stupid, you know, so mm-hmm. I would be loath to kind of dismiss anything that the guy says, but at the same time, I am as i said very skeptical about these the, the league here having those sort of you know um large overseas rights and and I think the scale of this deal you know i 'm not quite sure the how far and wide the 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 f a i cast its net there's obviously the skepticism within the clubs about how seriously. Um, it, it, you know, seeks to promote the league. You've had John Delaney this year describe, or last year, describe the league as, as the kind of game's problem child in Ireland. And that, that went down extremely badly in the league. But at the same time, the FAI does not turn down money. You know, it, 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 it it's pretty kind of... Uh, operates with its kind of pin to its collar all the time as well. So I don't doubt that it would have extracted whatever revenue it could for this. The club's cut of this is small enough we don't actually know what the fai's overall cut is the deal in the north is worth about 150 170000 euro a year um, assuming the one down would be bigger than that but not exponentially so say it was worth 300 grand and the club then the fai are kind of pocketing as much as has been divided up between the clubs in total but it's not big money it's not really big money and i think this would be if this really is a fair reflection of the market value then it's a huge disappointment uh, in terms of what now Quinn was suggesting it's it's you know because to to transform the league, you have to be talking millions, if not tens of millions and uh, and clearly, this is absolutely nowhere near that so look i mean there are there are a lot there's a lot going on in, in terms of um the kind of a, a bit of a tug of war behind the scenes over the commercial value of the league the clubs don't feel they're getting a fair reflection of what, what the product is worth the FEI kind of feel that it's you know they're going to a lot of trouble and, 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 and all they take is a hammering for their part in the league when they feel that they've kind of sorted out a lot of problems and ironed out you know I mean it was Things were a little bit dysfunctional when when the clubs are running things themselves. Um, so look, it's it, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting year. Or so it, post uh, Conroy report, Conroy report didn't re- you know propose anything too dramatic, uh, but the clubs feel that that's an opportunity now to go back into bat with the FAI, redefine their relationship with the national association, assert themselves as the highest level of football here. There is certainly a feeling abroad that you know if we're going to produce. Quality players for the national team in ten years' time, then in twenty years' time, they go in you know, long term into the future. That really, the way the English game has moved, the way they've cast their net so so much further afield, the way they're bringing in African kids and South American kids and Asian kids at you know very early age. Where mm-hmm. our guys have been displaced, you know, knocked down the line. There aren't places at the biggest clubs for them anymore. So that if we really hope, if we're serious about producing good quality young players then the highest level of our game here is going to have to play a more central part in that. And that's, I think, key to redefining the, the future of the league.
2: Emmett, you were just talking about the money aspect of it. Five, 500,000 uh, euro per annum, uh, the, with roughly about 20 professional clubs in Ireland, uh, each get about 10,000 each, reportedly. Uh, how What do you think happens to the rest of the money, 250,000? Do you think it should be invested into the infrastructure of the of the league, like coaching or things like that or what do you think happens
3: yeah I have to say I'm, 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 th- those are all kind of estimates I, I really don't know what the total value of this deal is uh, it, it could be anything you know, it could be anything from the, maybe they're putting every penny back in although the press uh, the press release yesterday suggested otherwise uh, or maybe they're, they're making vast fortunes out of it they, they, you know, the FAI don't, don't tend to give away very much about um, total values of deals so we're not really sure what the answer to that is I think the FAI would feel that they have invested a fair amount of money in, in coaching and stuff like that, I think you would have to, you know, the arguments would be more about where those resources have been allocated, um, and the emphasis on, on the sorts of clubs that they've gone to. Certainly, I feel yeah, absolutely that the that the, that the league clubs um, should be a greater priority, uh, although they have to make themselves that. And I think what we're beginning to see is the the clubs in the League of Ireland sort of waking up. And really kind of, you know, kind of beginning to really make the case for their own importance. I think there's been a mixture of problems in the past, part of which has been they haven't really been able to make a tangible case for getting greater money because it's been very hand-to-mouth. Money comes in one end. They spend it on extra wages for players because they they want to outbid their rival clubs. And I think there's Gradually, a feeling—you know—that it has has dawned on them that that's not really uh, remotely sustainable. um, After, I mean, the crash has been a big wake-up call for uh, the—the financial crash has been a big wake-up call for the clubs here. So, what I think we do see in the kind of the, the Premier Clubs Alliance which is, has been formed over the last year and is beginning to assert itself that the, the decision to recruit um, a very prominent senior counsel Michael Cush to negotiate on behalf of the league clubs with the FAI I think we see a shift in the relationship between the two organisations and um, and that is huge potential we're going to see where, where where that goes in the next year or so and it could be a, could be a really really big year for the league
2: now, Richie Towell has arguably been the standout player for the league in the past two years how do you think he's going to transition over to Brighton?
3: Yeah, I think it's always really difficult to tell. Uh, I, you know, I I think Richie Tal has been absolutely the standout player in the league. Uh, I was I, like he he's, he's got a kind of clean sweep of the awards this year. I was really surprised he didn't do the same last year. Um. What I would say is interesting is that a lot comes down to the type of player they are, you know, the position they play, what their particular attributes are, Um, and it's sometimes difficult to judge how these players are going to do because they're playing against you know other League of Ireland clubs, and and, and, you know some of them make the step up better than others. keep Faye um did very very well at Birmingham from the point of time he went back over there uh, he went you know was immediately competing to be in the first team uh made the step up to the premier league and um and looked pretty comfortable at it like you know he he didn't wasn't necessarily a world beater there, but on his day he was absolutely you know well able to cope and on his day um was often a really really impressive performer in premier league games and and so so we'll see with richie Tao. I think there's a number of aspects about him. He's a terrific passer of the ball. He's very fit. He's you know he's quick. Uh, He has a great range of passing. Um, He's you know he's he he can do a lot of different things. He obviously score goals. Twenty nine goals in all competitions last year. Playing from a deep line midfield position is remarkable. Um, And clearly, he's not going to be able to do that at a club like um, Brighton. He's not going to be able to do it in the Championship. But we'll see. The extent to which his role is modified and tailored, and and how he can adapt to that, it's going to be a really interesting time for him. Um, but what I would say is, uh, notwithstanding the fact that you know there might be some big, strong centre half or something like that who could go over and fit into a championship side, I think really you know Richie has been the best player in the league by a distance. And uh, if if he can't do it, then you know it, it, then sh- then a fair few of the others can kind of forget about it, really.
0: Richie Towell is he the exception or is he a sign of things to come for the league is there anyone else you could see that are replicating his form and maybe his transition Brandon Mila and Dave Massey come to mind
3: well I mean look I mean the next in line you know <coughs> if you talk about the, you know guys kind of um, uh, stepping up like there's two or three guys at Dundalk have clearly been such a standout team that you know I mean the one that everyone talks about here is Daryl Horkin I'm not completely convinced by Daryl Horkin again it's very hard to tell Um uh, how these guys would adapt for me, Darrell Horgan's game. A lot of it is kind of bursts of pace, going past players. And in the league, if you're playing against, you know, the Longfords and uh, um, the and Bray the Galway United or yeah, the Bray Wanderers, or even the Shamrock Rovers and the Cork Cities, then a lot, particularly for that type of player, depends <clears> on just how quick he really is. And I'm not quite sure how he is. So I'd like to see him. You know, it's one of the things about playing in Europe. Um, I'd like to see kind of, you know, we've all talked for donkey's years on and off about um, representative games, the league getting to play against high-level opposition from overseas. And I'd like to see more of those games because I think those sort of things would enable you to make a fairer judgment on whether these guys really can, you know, move across at a fairly high level. We all know league players, the better league players can go to League 1, League 2. It happens all the time. They do well over there and, you know, to, to varying degrees, obviously. But, you know, I mean, there's definitely the better players here can cope at that sort of level. But, you know, you have to ask why they would want to do that. You know, in many cases, the money isn't much better Um the career kind of path isn't isn't that great. Uh so keep them here. Like and, and what they're doing here, not only are they kind of developing themselves as players, but they're you know, hiring the standard of the league generally and that's helping to develop other players, young players coming through. So it's a kind of you know, what we face here is a kind of upward spiral or a downward spiral. It's very difficult to stand still. Um so the likes of Horgan, I don't know. He's certainly one that stands out. Brandon Miley has has been a, a has made quite an impact at um at Shamrock Rovers, um, you know, we've seen Forrester go in, in, in the last while from from Pats. Uh, I think that a couple of Pats defenders were unfortunate not probably to, to get decent moves. I mean, Gerard Bryan, for me, is a terrific player, you know, and uh, but he's, he's probably gone beyond the stage where he, he's going to move now. He's, he's in his mid-20s. Um, so there are players there um, uh, and uh, I think long term. Long term, I think we're moving in a direction whereby more and more players will be able to go if that's the call they make.
0: Personally, I know of two order for lads with the Brighton underage setup: uh, Desi Hutchinson and Jason Malumbi. Uh Is this Richie Towell versus the lads who skipped the League of Ireland form? And should we take precedence from what comes about their their careers?
3: Well, I, yeah, I do think it's a great, it's a better way forward. I can only talk about it like I have a you know I have a twelve-year-old son and. Um, and that's the sort of age that that guys here have their heads heads turned by English clubs. So yeah, there's a there's a story goes around in football, and I'm sure it's not exceptional. Uh, about a kid from, I think it was Ballyfermot, who was about twelve years of age, and he was, you know, there's kind of mythology has it that there's one player each year in Dublin that every single every club wants. And at twelve years of age, he'd already been spotted, and everybody wanted him. And the doorbell rang one Sunday morning, and the parents, you know, went down and opened the doors, kind of eight o'clock in the morning, and there's Alex Ferguson standing there, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and and they bring him in and they have breakfast with him, and he tells them how much. Uh, how much Manchester United want uh, their son and I my if memory serves me correctly time for them, you know, but but if that kid finished in terms of school, like, you know, I, I mean I, like you know, if somebody told me at twelve years of age I was going to Manchester United, I never would have opened a book again. And <laughs> and that's unfortunately what's happened in in a lot of these cases. And um and now Quinn repeatedly uses the use stat and I've absolutely no reason to doubt him. I think it's pretty much spot on, is that um that you know, less than one percent of kids that that go over there make it in the sense of really genuinely making it at the top level. Um, many will drop down and have their uh, professional careers at lower levels. Um, but those are the sort of careers that are very very achievable from this level from 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 this country anyway. And uh, and and you know, there's a far greater range of possibilities open to the kids if they stay here with League of Ireland clubs to go on, finish their education, to, you know, possibly go on to third level. I mean, some of the clubs are better than others, providing opportunities and those sort of things. But they are absolutely the sort of thing that we should be, um, we should be uh, um, preparing kids for. Uh, I mean, I heard John Giles on, on the radio recently. I can't kind of completely understand where he's coming from. He's saying that this, the, the kids lack an edge now like that that they, that, they, that, for him in his generation they, they were on a tightrope and there was no safety net you know and if they didn't make it as professional footballers they were really in trouble they were screwed you know because they had put all their eggs in that basket and he felt yeah. then that 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 made for better players and it probably does make for better players but it doesn't make for a very good society it shouldn't be what we're doing to these kids we shouldn't be you know we shouldn't be gambling that uh, with, with, with 100 kids lives yeah. um, so that in 10 years time we have a decent midfielder for the senior team it's no way for us to operate as a game or a society so what we should be doing is putting those safety nets in place and God help us if that means we don't qualify for a World Cup in 10 years then we should take that on the chin you know but, um, but it will improve the league here It will improve the quality of those kids' lives. And if we do it right, and if we spend the money on the training facilities and the infrastructure and the coaching, um, and the League of Ireland clubs get their act together and the FAI kind of gets its priorities right, then we'll get the players anyway.
0: Finally, Emmett, Richie is probably the one League of Ireland player that is viewed as capable of breaking into the Irish squad. Now that he's a Brighton player, do you think he will automatically get drafted in or will he need to prove himself first?
3: Uh, yeah, I do think he has to prove himself first. I think that, um, I think you know, I, along with a lot of other people, I would have argued down the, down the years for various people in the League of Ireland to be given a run... By whoever the Ireland manager of the time was, uh, I think we would have, you know, there would have been an obsession here with equating the League of Ireland with a particular level in England. So you know, people would people would have heated arguments in in radio studios or in pubs about you know whether we were the top end of the Championship or the lower end of the League Two or whatever. You know, and I think all of that went out the window a bit when Brian Kerr w- w- became manager of the uh, of the team because up until then there was this sense that you know. Um, whether it was um, uh, uh, Mick McCarthy or or, or Jack Charlton, or whatever, that he didn't know who, anything about the League of Ireland. I mean, there's a famous story about Jack Charlton who had burned through about kind of eight strikers, whatever, all of whom had cried off, injured, or whatever. And um, and he and, and he's kind of going, he's done. Like I have no, and he was like not not replacing whichever the latest striker to cry off, injured from a squad was. I think it was for one of the trips to the USA, one of those summer tours. And the journalist said to him, "Why don't you call in them?" Um, Stephen Gagan, you know, he's the top scorer in the League of Ireland, and uh, he he went. I've never heard of him. Who is he? You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and the lads went, say, Ah, oh, he's good, you know. Yeah, he's good. He scored twenty eight goals for whoever it was, Shelburne, or Rovers at the time, whatever. And they went, okay, give me his number, give me his number, I'll call him in, <laughs> you know. And uh, and Sound and uh, they called into the squad, you know. So so there was that feeling at the time that, oh yeah, these guys should get the the chance. Kerr. Cur- Nobody could argue about how well disposed Kerr was to the league. He loved the league, he loved the you know Pats, uh, and yet when he was Ireland manager, it became clear that he didn't feel that players here were in a competitive enough uh, or a high enough you know uh, environment uh, to 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 kind of go into league. Um, he didn't choose players in the third third tier in England either. So what he was what he reckoned was you had to be playing in either what's now the Premier League or the Championship, and um, and I think that's generally generally held to be true by most people now you know you're really struggling and you want to be pretty exceptional outside of that richie tell has absolutely earned his chance to do it in england um i think this is a virtually perfect move for him you know top end of the championship uh, with a manager who knows what he's can do and who has some something of a regard i mean you hear stories behind the scenes of players going over from here they get signed for english clubs one way or another And when they finally get to deal with the manager, they find that the manager is completely disparaging about the league here. I think Chris Newton knows the league here. I think he knows both its strengths and its shortcomings. He has been very centrally involved in signing Tao. Uh, Tao's getting to go to a good club with a good manager at the right end of the championship, where they play a lot of games. He's probably likely to get his chance unless things go really badly for him to do it in the first team, and he could notionally be playing Premier League football next season. So he's going to have every opportunity to come into the in, into the Irish team. There is actually, thankfully, a little bit of competition there. There's Harry Arthur, who uh, you know hasn't really got a chance of the, much of a chance on the team yet, who's uh, playing at quite a high level. There's um, uh there's Alan judge at Brentford who again you know i I God, there's people Brentford fans who are constantly on to me about you know how he deserves a much greater chance and, and I haven't seen enough of him to to say whether that's true or not, but Kyle is going into the queue probably slightly behind them, but he has a chance and uh he's earned that, and i hope I hope he takes it because he's a great guy.
1: thanks very much, Emma, for joining us. We really appreciate it and uh Best of luck with, with all things football-related. I'm sure we can read all your articles in the Irish Times, and you can follow Emmett Malone at Emmett Malone on Twitter. Thanks very much for joining us, Emmet. Well, that was Emmett Malone. A very insightful thoughts from from yeah. Emmet as usual, as we'd expect. Um, and as part of our doubleheader this week, in terms of in terms of interviews with with well-established Irish journalists, we're going to be talking to Rory O'Connor. All things Alan rugby. Um, so we hope you enjoy this. It's this Rory O'Connor. Hello, Rory. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I'm glad to have you on. No problem, thanks. Uh, just turning to Pro 12 action really quick, Rory. Connacht and Munster both suffered losses on the weekend, back-to-back from Munster, and only Connacht's second loss of the season, going down narrowly to, Con- uh, to Cardiff. Should we expect a reasonably quick bounce back from both sides?
4: Well, I think in um, Munster's case, Anthony Foley took a, spot, a small bit of a risk, I suppose. Well, maybe it was, was. more of a risk by resting the majority of his big players for that clip to Rodney Braid, and the, I suppose he kind of believed that his, his, his second string... As such, we kind of respond to the opportunity that he was giving them a week out from the Champions Cup game, um, and as, and they didn't deliver over in Wales. And I think we're going to see a very different Munster side in very different uh, surrounds in, at, home, at home and of Park as you know a Friday night game, big European night. We'd expect the crowd to be much bigger than it has been in the last couple of weeks. And I think you know as long as the injuries come through, you're looking at Conor Murray, Francis Saeily coming back into the team maybe Keith Earls Gunnick like and Ryan players like this who will inevitably lift the standards that Munster set themselves and I think there'll be a lot of annoyance and anger in the Munster training ground this week so I think in their case there definitely will be a response and it is a very, it will be a very different set of players that will be going out there against um, Leicester this Saturday night in Connick's case I, I think that, that it was a very disappointing result I think their focus is firmly on the Pro 12 this season um, and I think to, to lose in Cardiff on the back of the brilliant win in Thomond Park is very disappointing and then just looking at the injury list that's come through today, it's it's just one player after another going down with injury, and it's just um, a complete disaster for Pat Lam who is trying to sustain the momentum of his early season without so many big players. You see the, the likes of you know, um, Kieran Marmion joining Robbie Henshaw on the sideline, and it's just a a, a long list of, of players that he has to do without every week. And, um, he could do with his luck turning uh, they're playing Newcastle back to back Newcastle aren't doing particularly well in the in English Premiership so if they can win in the sports round this Friday night and, and I think they they have a good chance of do, doubling up over the next two weeks
2: And really with with nine games played now the Scarlets are on top do you see Connacht's uh, good start lasting for the rest of the season or could you see could you even see them challenging for the title?
4: I think that that's probably a little bit fanciful at this stage, I think their main focus should be uh, top four at, least, at, at best, I mean the title is 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 very attainable through that I mean I don't even need to be topping the table obviously it would help from a you know from a financial point of view and also makes it easier I think it's still the case that no away team has won a semi-final in the Pro 12 so the um, it would be very desirable to do that but I think given that their squad is, is so stretched now um, it will be quite difficult to sustain their early season form particularly because they've admitted themselves they benefit from the World Cup and the fact that they weren't really affected by it so I think it'll be difficult for them to, to 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 sustain that top, you know, to be top of the table and be front runners the whole time. I think there are better squads than them, but I do think they've shown that they can beat anyone um, on their day. And I think that you know, top six European qualification is definitely something that's achievable given the amount of points they've already racked up. And I don't think they should give up on on, on well, certainly they won't be giving up. But they, you know, I think that top four getting in slipping into that top four is is definitely something that they, sh- they they can be aspiring towards over the next month or two.
2: And uh, obviously you, you mentioned Robbie Henshaw joining the lengthy inju- injury list. Uh, with his versatility, this it allows Connacht a lot of flexibility with their back lane. How big of a loss do you think he'll be?
4: The, uh, he's he's a huge loss, although they, they've kind of had to cope without him because he's one of the few players that they have who goes on international duty on a regular basis. So um, They have a fairly solid uh, set in a partnership between Craig Ronaldson and Bundy Aki, both of whom are doubts this week. Um, I think Ronaldson's probably out because he's concussed. So, um, but I think Henshaw—he showed in the last 15 minutes against Munster why he is so—he um, was so kind of. It's um, just an important player. Like he, he showed up and carried big. He set up that try for Bundee So he will be lost from that perspective when they're going against he's, stuff, He's the kind of guy who steps up. He's a leader, and um, despite his, 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 his relative use, but I think they've had to. Kind of build around them because they waited out them for so for so long each season, and uh, you know that they they can cope without them. But I think just the, the states are so stretched they can't afford anyone else to go down.
0: Rory, uh, Leinster have won six from eight this season, but they were very underwhelming against Ulster and our winless in Europe. Is there any way you could see them beating Toulon in the Champions Cup?
4: Not really, and um, they. The, the, I don't think there's the many teams that you would back going down to the Stade-Félix-Mayol um, it's a very very difficult place to play Toulon were very well beaten by um, by Wasps in, in round 2 didn't play in round 1 and um, Wasps were very impressive again that day and Toulon looked like a very beatable team and then they bounced back and absolutely hockey Claremont in Claremont where very few teams got a result and then they were able to give man on a debut last week when they just so many good players they've so many strong players they have such depth that they can rotate through and they're perfectly for these back-to-back fixtures. Now Leicester, I think, do have a, a good performance in them. I, I think they've, they probably have shown improvement week to week. I know their scrum was very bad against, against Bath, but they improved their defence um, from week to week. And then against Ulster, they created a lot of opportunities um, and just didn't take them. And I, I don't think they were that bad against Ulster. But I think they probably could have done with that game against Glasgow again just to build on confidence and build on everything else just through uh, into this game. I, I think the cup might be good for the bodies,
3: but it might not be great
4: for the minds. I think they needed to kind of go over there and give a performance and give them some but maybe just having that bit of freshness might carry, give them a bit of a, an advantage going into this game. the is on; are are, are so good. They've so many internationals in every position on their bench. Even guys, they've internationals who can't get into the twenty three. So yeah. it's it, you certainly wouldn't be tipping them not going over. But again, I suppose they took some extra time in the semi final last year in France, and the you know, Leicester still have enough players with huge European pedigree who for you know for whom who won in France and, and who will go over and no fear. Um, but really, it's very hard to tip them for a uh, for a win in this game.
0: Yeah, now, now uh, a couple of players are off contract at the end of the season. Sean O'Brien, Conor Murray, Ian Madigan, uh, Robbie Henshaw, to name a few. Who do you see as the IRFU's top priority this offseason?
4: I don't think they'll have any any one player as, as, per, as a priority, but I think they'll have a certain amount of frontliners. Like Rory Best, who's, who's already been nailed down to a two-year contract. Um, Murray, who you mentioned, uh, Robbie Henshaw, who's clearly a man that the Irish backline is going to be built built around for the next couple of years. Um, so I I think that the, the kind of the, the at risk players, as, as it were, are kind of the, um, the Simon Zebo and, and Ian Madigan of this world. Who you know, is obviously a star for Munster, but you he, he, he wonder if he's a kind of, if he's a, a go to man for Joe Smith. You know, Smith has picked them from here and there, but he's he obviously is the one who, who loses out when. When there's a, a bit of change going on, and then Madigan is obviously it was his number during the World Cup, but can't get the number ten jersey at Leinster, and clearly has has made up his mind that he's op- certainly open to the idea of, of moving away. So, I think of all the players who um, who could go, they're the ones who who, who are, are are most likely to go. I think anyone who is a is a frontline international is probably going to be persuaded to stay. I think Murray will obviously attract a lot of attention from abroad because he's such a good player. O'Brien's injury profile possibly works against him. Keen Healy probably the same, but but Murray is the one that probably will come up for most attention. But I think his age profile and the value that Schmidt holds on him, I think David Nusafora, the RFU's performance director, will probably make him an offer he can't refuse.
1: Um, yeah, just just regards to the Madigan there, Rory. Um, the, obviously, he's there's been he's been linked with Bristol and a, and a couple of other places, Harlequins as well. Do you see there's any chance at all of him maybe staying in Ireland Al- if not at Leinster? I mean, obviously Robbie Henshaw has been heavily linked with Leinster, and I suppose with Gary Ringrose, Luke Fitzgerald. There's already there's a lot of competition there, you know, in and around the centres as well. Um, do you see there's any chance at all of maybe him staying within the IRFU, if it's not at Leinster? maybe a possible move to Munster or Connacht?
4: He says he's open to the idea, and he and I think that's he. He said he, he will talk to Joe Schmidt before he makes any make up make up his mind. And it's very interesting reading. Um, his old schoolmate uh, Andrew Conway who's a couple of years younger than him, but as a fellow black rock ben man, college yeah. moving to Munster over the weekend. Um, about how well things went for him down there and how how well he settled down there. And I uh, suppose Madigan is is kind of one of these quintessential Leinster guys, but he he has to remain open to the idea, and I think Munster will be a, a good fit for him. Um, because Munster have had their problems at, at number 10 over the years, just even to provide some competition for Ian Keatley. I think obviously Madigan's higher up in the international pecking order than ke so um, I think it's something to look at. It, it, they are, if you want to move more players within the system, and players are quite resistant to it, a lot of the time, they're, they're quite settled where they are, and they're you know often they want to fight for places at their home province, but if, if Madigan has made up his mind that his future... Lies elsewhere. So I suppose it's up to the RFU and the other provinces to make him a make a case for him and, and convince him that you know he he would get game time in his favorite position in in another province.
1: Um, yeah, I think I think we've kind of seen him more definitely his favorite position probably is the number ten. But he probably has a better shot realistically maybe of playing long term number twelve for Alan. Do you think that's a position for him, or do you think he really probably wants to see himself as ten and maybe future be a successor to success than rather than playing alongside him.
4: It was funny watching Daniel Hanrahan over the weekend. He probably was in the same boat last year and kind of got shifted between the two jerseys and even played fullback a little bit.
1: Mm. And
4: you see him starting number ten for Northampton and being entrusted with the job of of managing a game in, a, in a very very tough conditions. And you wonder if 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 a club to, did sign Madigan expressly with playing him at number ten, would he, you know, would he, if he got the time under his belt? Because he do need time in that position to to really become a high level operator in that position. Whether he would adapt to it, so. I, I think he does see himself as a ten. I think he probably is. A, he probably is, like I think he can fill in at a centre and, and do a very good job as a second distributor. And um, I wonder if it's the if it's where really his long term future lies because it's it's a very very attritional position and while he's a very durable pl- player who doesn't get injured very often, he is you know he's entering his mid twenties now, which is when that that kind of the, the hits that you take in in that midfield would start to take their toll. I, I think so. While I, you know I certainly don't think he's he's certainly able to mix it at the moment, but I think he is an out half. Who can play in other positions rather than a centre who can play out half at this stage? And I think he, deserves, he, I think he owes it to himself to go somewhere and give himself a, a really good shot at playing number ten before he def- definitively makes the decision to move to twelve. Because I think he's obviously very talented out-half who just happens to have one of the best out-halves in Europe playing in front of
1: them mm, I think we've seen that a lot in the last couple of years especially with the Ireland team that there's a there's a lot more depth in positions than they have maybe in years gone by the back row comes to mind especially um, but another one position that I think has a lot of depth and two players that are coming off contract is the loose head prop position and we've seen Keane Healy and Jack McGrath battle, you know, with each other for both club and country for a long time now. Um, who do you see winning that battle and with both off contract, will Leinster and the IFAFU be able to keep both of them? You can imagine both players would be fairly sought after in England and France?
4: I'm pretty sure chapman McGraw has signed a two year deal as far as I'm aware, so he, he's uh, it hasn't been he's, locked end, up, okay. but it's, it, that, he's he's signed up and that's a Leinster contract. So that I think frees up the um the international contract for Keane You I suppose so when sorry, everything
1: McGraw wouldn't be on a central contract then?
4: No, McGrath will be. I think will be on a Leicester contract, to my knowledge. So, okay. um, so I think Keane he Healy remains. I suppose the more valuable of, the, of of the two in terms of the IRFU. Now, McGrath is a younger player. and McGrath, I think, was very very hard done by not to start against Argentina in the World yeah. Cup quarter final because he had such a good World Cup. I don't think it is really a battle between them because I think, in in many ways, they're interchangeable. Like if you look at the Six Nations schedule, I think you can see. Very clearly that, that Joe Smith will probably play one one week and the other the next, and mm-hmm. I suppose if if, if, it, if it comes down to a, a Champions Cup final or something like that, then that's when it comes into it. But I think the strength of both of them and they seem to be quite get on quite well is that they seem to be, that they are able to dovetail quite well between each other and, and 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 don't seem to view it in that context where it's one or the other. And I suppose prop is that kind of position where you know you even if you're on the bench you're going to get half an hour um, every time, especially if you, especially if you're as trusted as Keane Healy or Jack McGrath. And mm-hmm. maybe give him a you know Healy's impact that he can bring off the bench, that's where his future lies as a as a more powerful option. Um you know, his form hasn't been great this season, but uh, you'd hope that he'll be able to pick it up again. I think James Cronin is another who's off contract at the end of the season and Munster will be desperately keen to, to keep him on because he's been very, very good this year. And I think he's a guy who is starting to step up as another option for that loose jersey for Ireland as well. But I do think both of them will will stay within Ireland. Healy's expressly said he wants to stay with Lancer. Um, and I think well too long we're very very keen on him at one stage I wonder if just the amount of injuries he's had over the last couple of years have maybe maybe cooled their interest because um he spent a lot of time on the sidelines and it's kind of racked up a lot of, um, kind of operations and things
1: like that. Mm. Finally, Rory, with Paul O'Connell retiring from International Rugby, in your opinion, who do you see as his successor as captain? There's a couple of names thrown up. Obviously, Jamie Heast could be the logical choice as, as vice-captain, but are Peter O'Mahony, Johnny Sexton names possibly as well?
4: Um, I don't think so, mainly because Peter O'Mahony won't be there for the Six Nations. So while he is probably a long-term... Ireland captain in waiting. i mm-hmm. um, assuming his body plays ball. I don't think well. He won't be there for succession, so he won't get the job immediately. Jamie Heaslip is, I suppose, next in line. But I think Rory Best is probably someone who um, has a very, very good chance because of how well he's respected within the squad, how well he carries himself, and also the fact that uh, you know he's been there a long, long time. He's a key leader in there, and I suppose he probably doesn't have a huge amount of time left in his career. And there might be a, a sense that maybe it is it's his time. Jamie has had a go before. It hasn't always worked out for him as captain, and you know he he sometimes looks like a guy who's more comfortable without having that 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 responsibility to lead, the responsibility to meet the media after games, stuff like that. Maybe they might take a decision that you know being second in command and I, a man in the dressing room is better is is better off, or he's he's better off doing that. And worry Best has a lot of captaincy experience. If if it was my choice, he'd be who I he'd be he'd be my choice. So um, I think he's the outstanding one. I think that they see with Johnny Sexton, his. Um, his, the, the, he's enough on his plate with all the kicking and running the back line and everything like that that um he just doesn't need the extra responsibility that comes with captaincy and and the, all the stuff that goes with it There are weeks where it, I think where Sexton just doesn't want to you know see anyone other than his teammates and he doesn't want to do media and there's just commitments that go with being a captain that that just wouldn't suit his um single minded focus that uh, that he needs to to be able to to be the brilliant player that he is on on big weeks like that so I think while sexton is a key leader he's he's probably not someone they're looking at. As captain, even though I think he would be a, a fantastic choice if he wanted to do it and if if he felt he was able to do it, I think he would be a natural choice. He's probably, um, you know, he's probably Ireland's most important player alongside Conor Murray, who's another you know guy who doesn't get, you know, get the captain teams very often, but is a, a key leader within the squad and maybe long term, you know, as a, a very important player for Ireland, is, is a guy who could be captaincy. But if it, yeah, if it was up to me, I think Rory Best for the Six Nations at least would be a very very good choice.
1: Roy, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. You can follow Rory at, on Twitter at, at Rory OC. That's R U A I D H R I O C. And you can read all of Rory's uh, articles in the Irish Independent as well. Roy, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, lads. Thank you. Thank you. It's time to go to end there with the back pages.
2: Swansea have opened talks with David Moyes for taking over Gary Monk at the Liberty Stadium. Hef Guardiola is to, to take a 12-month break to make sure he lands a Man United job. Near Beaton might be leaving, might be quitting Celtic after signing a new contract last year. Jamie Vardy is going to be the saviour of Chelsea when Chelsea signed him in January. And Tyson Fury says critic can suck his balls and that the spotty petition uh, is just 50,000 wankers in an incredible ringside interview. And finally, the... Mauritian Mauritian uh, yeah. Mauritian Mauritian uh, uh, Federation has forced to deny that the country's president Mohamed Old Abri Aziz ordered a penalty shootout in the 63rd minute because of the Super Cup final because he was bored that's the back pages back to you Jack
1: that sounds like if, if I know Ab- <laughs> Ab- Abdel Abdies Aziz, like I think I do. That sounds like something <laughs> that he do. Typical, classic Mauritian uh, tactics when it comes to calling football matches early. Thanks very much for joining us. Great show. Great to talk to Rory. Great to talk to Emmett, lads. Thanks for having for having coming on as usual. Yeah, thanks no, a
0: million. Minute. Minute, no, no, we'll pre- seriously appreciate
1: it. We'll be back on Friday. Hopefully, we'll be looking probably more likely at uh, UFC 194 and Conor McGregor's potential. World Championship crowning to make a unified champion oh. as well we'll be looking forward to weekends football he is action the in the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah if you ask him He definitely is Thanks for listening as always and uh, you can get us on SoundCloud I will love it if
2: we Gol we we not not right Gol oh, We're not
1: With an arpha, with an arpha, with an arpha,